and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Please turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. The ancient church at Laodicea had fake Christians who were dangerous. The Lord Jesus Christ evaluated those fake Christians back then, and he evaluates those fake Christians today as well. Fake Christians are useless. Lukewarm water is useless. Hot water is useful for bathing. Cold water is useful for quenching thirst. Lukewarm water is not useful for anything. Don't be a lukewarm Christian. In today's sermon, we get a serious warning. And now, with his message for this morning, our senior pastor, Robert Elliott. But here in Revelation 3, Jesus looks at the church at Laodicea and with a blanket brush over the whole congregation, he says, you among other things are wretched. You are miserable, you are poor, you are blind, and you are naked. I would submit to us this morning that this was a phony church, a lukewarm church because they didn't have life in Christ. They were going through the motions without the engine of the Christian life, the Lord Jesus. Not even the messed up believers in Corinth. Do you remember how messed up they were? Not even those believers in Corinth were called wretched in first or second Corinthians. And so I would submit that these were phony or fake Christians who were not only useless, but they were dangerous. In verse 16, we see that they were useless in that they caused nausea. Jesus said he would vomit them out of his mouth. And worse, they were dangerous, according to verse 20, because Christ was knocking on their individual heart's doors and on the collective door of their church in Laodicea because he was on the outside and not on the inside. That's dangerous to play church. But that's what appears they were doing. Now let's go through this a little systematically. The first thing is who was the evaluator of the Laodicean church? Well, clearly in verse 14, we see this. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, right? The amen, the faithful and true witness, and the beginning of the creation of God says this. Clearly, this is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. By calling himself the Amen, he's saying that I'm the one who makes it so. By calling himself the faithful and true witness, he's testifying accurately about it all. He says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. When Jesus testifies... As a true and faithful witness, it is always truth about the Laodiceans, about you and me, about everything. But last, Jesus, the one who's evaluating them, is called the beginning of creation. He is not the first one who was created. He is the beginner of all creation. He is the initiator of everything that's been created. He is the source of all creation. That is a potent all-knowing, authoritative evaluator of the Laodicean church. He is the same evaluator of Milford Bible Church. Now, what is the evaluator's evaluation? 
verse 15. Let's start with that. He says, I know your deeds. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. The first thing the evaluator notices is that they are neither hot nor cold. A lukewarm beverage, generally speaking, is disgusting. Verse 16, he says in verse 16, his evaluation continues, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. The Greek here really says vomit. Jesus says, I'm going to vomit the Laodicean fake imposter believers out of my mouth. It reminds me of Jonah. Remember Jonah when he was told to go to Nineveh to bring God's message as Israel's prophet, God's prophet through Israel, and he took off on a ship the other way to Tarshish, fell asleep in the back of the boat while there was a raging storm, got swallowed by a fish, was kept alive in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. God directed the big fish up to the beach by Nineveh and had the fish barf Jonah on the beach. Jesus said to the Laodiceans what happened to the false and phony prophet Jonah. I'm going to vomit you. I'm sorry for the graphic description. Verses 17 and 18. He goes on. Because you say I have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich, and white garments that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed, and I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Jesus was saying that you are proud and you are self-sufficient. You see yourselves as self-made people. You see having a church and supposedly worshiping me as something you've accomplished. It's all something you can take a bow for. It's like going back to our opening illustration. It's like if the pilot of the aircraft was exposed for being a phony and they didn't have a co-pilot and the stewardess de desperately went through the cabin and said, who can fly this 747? And someone says, I'll try. How hard can it be? They were going through their Christian lives that really were pseudo-Christian lives in their own self-efforts. Serious. Verse 20. Jesus speaking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas and Happy New Year. And today we want to continue as we left off talking about Christmas eyes as some of us are still stuck in the rut of Christmas and, and we are just caught in all the different things that we think about we have to do. But we want to continue on as we continue to talk about the wise men. And we considered, as we left off the last time, we looked at two points, but we're going to pick up back at point number two. The first point was wise men go on a journey of faith. The wise men didn't know where they were going, but they followed a star because they knew they wanted to find the star of Christmas. Second of all, the wise men go on a journey of worship. And that's where we want to pick up. Because I think we need to understand something about worship. Because worship always involves sacrifice. Did the wise men sacrifice anything to follow Jesus? Yes, it cost them everything. It cost them their families. It cost them their wealth. 
and their lives. Just like in our lives, worshiping Jesus will always cost us something, but the, ro- the reward is far better than anything that we sacrifice to follow Jesus. Romans 12 one says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You see, the greatest gift, the greatest sacrifice you can give to God is yourself. You say, but I have given nothing to him today. I say, yes, you have. A lot of people say that they have nothing to give because a lot of times when we talk about giving, the first thing that comes to our mind is money. But God wants more than your money. He wants you. He wants your time. He wants your money. And most important, he wants your life. Quite frankly, he wants all of you. And you see, as we consider as a young person, as you consider what does this really mean for me to give everything to God? Well, you see, God just wants your life. He wants you. He wants you to say, you know what, God, whatever you want to do in my life, I'm giving my life to you. But what happens to us is a lot of people will say, I don't have enough time for the things of God. Let me ask you a question. Do you have enough time for your favorite TV program or something important to you? What about that new iPhone that you just got or that new Samsung Galaxy Note or whatever it is you got this Christmas? I'm sure you're making time to use those things. But the next question becomes this. Is your relationship with God important to you? If it is important to you, then you must invest time into it for it to grow. You must make sacrifices. You see, we need to understand that as we consider this whole thing, as we consider a sacrifice, as we consider worshiping God, it's going to cost us something. But what more valuable place to put our hope and trust in than someone who we know wants what's best for our lives. Something that will last eternally. You see, most importantly, God wants you because if He has all of you, He can mold you into the child that He wants you to be. You must be willing to surrender all to Him. So how do we apply this? Well, we apply it this way. When Christmas Eye sells in, remember that you have a Savior that deserves your worship and your thought more than just a season. But He, he deserves your praise and worship all of your days. Which brings us to the last point as we consider this Christmasitis. Wise men go on a journey of change. Verse 12 says this, And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. After the wise men had encountered the king, their whole life had changed. They had seen the king now. They had been told in a dream not to return to Herod, but to go back to their own country. You see, when you encounter God, you will never be the same. You see, all through scripture, when people saw God, they were never the same. You can't because there must be a life change. I think too many times in our lives, as the Bible talks about, when we come to a relationship with Christ, we need to understand that the old has passed away. We have become a new creature, and some some versions say creation. We become a new person because when we've experienced that love and we've experienced God, we cannot be the same. There's no way. There must be a change in our lives. So as we consider, and as you consider now in this new year, and you consider just now Christmas is over, do not get stuck in the Christmas-itis. Don't just look for the next holiday. Don't look forward to, now I need a break. Now I need some time off. But focus on the King. Focus on God. When we consider Christmas-itis, when it settles and remember that because now you have a relationship with the King, your life can never be the same. You see, this is what happens when we walk in the presence of God. We become changed. 
This is what happened to the wise men when they encountered Christ. They were changed. This is what happens when we encounter Christ. Things become different. It's Christmas time and we hear the story of the wise men. They were wise because they had faith. They were wise because they worshipped and they were changed forever and all because of a child. The question becomes for you. Are you looking for a change in your life? Find Christ this Christmas and I can guarantee you that you will be changed. Things will be different. Step out in faith and seek him as the wise men did. I would challenge you as a young person listening to this, and you may be already back in school, and, and, and as you consider, you know, how can I change from the year before? Because you know what happens a lot of time is that the new year comes, and we, we think of all the mistakes we've made, and we want to do these things. But why not start right there? Start with God and say, you know what, God, I want to be the best that I can for you. I want to seek after you. I want to go on this journey of worship with you. I want, to, I want to know more about you and allow God to totally change your life because that's what he wants to do. Will you give me a life? Will you allow him to mold you into the person that he wants you to be? Or you can con continue to live your life the way you want by living in mistakes, dwelling on mistakes, not recognizing that you have a God who forgives you of all mistakes. This is Pastor Nicholas, and this has been another edition of You Talk. And now, today's personal God story. Recently, we had the opportunity to sit and talk with uh, Gwen Hepburn. She's been sharing her personal God story and the results of infidelity in her marriage and how God has brought her from there to here. We resume from where we left off last week. I understand that you're writing a book, and I was wondering what its title is and what it's going to be about. Well, <laughs> um, yes, I am. And I've been doing that for several years. How this came about is um, I was actually visiting my son in Fort Lauderdale, who is a pastor. Yes. I was just doing something in the kitchen at his house, and it's like, you need to write a book. And I was like, no. <laughs> and I, I sat down and everything is, you need to write a book. And I was like, okay, God, because I talked to God, you know. Yes. I said, about what? It was on what I went through, what I'm talking about now. Yes. Um, so I said, okay. So I was laughing. I was telling my son about it. So he said, ready, mommy? So I said, Yes. So he went out later that day to the office. When he came back, he came back with this pack of pencils and a book. <laughs> <laughs> a writing book. So he said, here, start writing. <laughs> he got you rolling. So I said, you're kidding me? He said, no. So the following day, I was praying and I said, okay, Lord, you told me to write a book. I don't know what I'm writing about. Okay, all right. So... You tell me what is going to be the title of this book. Mm -hmm. So he said to me, Innocence at Large. Innocence at, at large. large. Interesting. So I, I, Pastor, I literally stopped and I said, to him, I said, this does not make sense. Honestly, I said it just like that. Innocence at Large. That doesn't make any sense at all. And you would, I guess you would probably think I was crazy if you were there. But, <laughs> and then... 
It came to me. Yes, it does. You see, this is even for young ladies as well. Yeah. Um, you're young. You're innocent. You're out there. It's like, you know, Bambi? Yeah, you know, yes. so free and prancing about in the meadow. Yes. And there's a lion out there hmm. just waiting, just waiting to pounce on that. Yeah. And I was like, wow. He said, you know, you have some young women out there. They're innocent. They're going into marriage. They don't love themselves. They don't know who they are. But you have some of the young men out there, their experience. Mm -hmm. They go after the young, inexperienced, you know. Yes. But they come to you like a wolf in sheep clothing. Right. They are misled. But if they know who they are in Christ. In Christ, yeah. You know, they wouldn't listen to all the smooth talk, you know, mm -hmm. and all of this. And I thought about it, and he said, you know, think of yourself. So that's the reason why I named the book Innocence at Large. And I wanted to change it on numerous occasions, but I couldn't. <laughs> because that's the name that I've been given. I think it's a very thought-provoking title. It really is. So even the cover of my book is supposed to show a doe and a lion. Wow. I, I've got all of that. So how far along would you say you are in the writing of the book? As far as someone who is supposed to be editing for me is concerned, is completed. Wow. Well, to me it's not. Because what they, they looked at some of my journals, it's written in the journals. Mm -hmm. um, it's Innocence at, at Large. It's a memoir of an abused wife. Mm. The subtitle is A Memoir of an Abused Wife. wife. Wow. You know, Gwen, God has given you a lot of courage and a lot of others' orientation, not just to think about yourself, to write such a book, and then to uh, come on the radio with me, to have such a, a candid uh, interview. Uh, I really thank the Lord for that courage He's given you and for your availability uh, to serve Him in this way. Talking about that young uh, woman who um, is not yet married and uh, is innocent, if you were to have a coffee with such a, a lady, uh, she's engaged to be married, um, but uh, when you talk with her, you realize that she's sort of like the, the little fawn on the cover of your book, what would, you, what would you share with her? First, I would ask her, does she know who she truly is in Christ? Does she love herself? Mm -hmm. 
Does she see herself the way God sees her? Mm -hmm. Because in Psalm 139, it says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes. What do you know about the person to whom you are to be married? Because that's very important. Sure is. Especially if she's a believer, then to be very sure that he also is a believer. Absolutely. May I just interject? Please don't lose your thought. Gwen, if I had a dollar for every Bahamian woman who has come to me as a new pastor in the Bahamas that said that their husband said he was a believer before they got married, but he admits now he was never a believer, I'd have a lot of money, unfortunately. I, I regret to say I'd have a lot of money. And so I think you're so right that um, a young uh, Bahamian woman needs to not assume anything, not to take any uh, language that a fiancé may say just because he can talk spiritual doesn't mean that he is spiritual. He may know the language of the church, but not the Lord of the church at all. And uh, so I totally am applauding what you just said, that she needs to know that he's a born-again Christian. And I would go so far as to say, I've told my daughter, not just a born-again Christian, but a growing mm -hmm. born-again Christian. Please go back to your thought. You know, you cannot just take what they say. No. You really have to, and, and the thing about it is, if they really observe and not let feelings get in the way. You know, because a lot of young women, they think they're in love, you know, and um, they allowed feelings, emotions to get in the way. But how is he acting? You know, what, com what really comes out of his mouth? You know, that's what we really need to look for also. Yes. How are you being treated? And I want to say to them, too, a lot of times, look at the way that they treat their mothers. Yeah, good point. You know, are they respectful? You know, so is, is these things that they really need to. But in all of this, you need to know who you are. And don't settle. Absolutely not. Don't settle. There's only one thing worse than being single. It's being married to the wrong person. You, you, you could be married and still single. <laughs> right, right. That's the sad truth. Over the years, Sister Gwen, how have uh, the various churches which you've attended supported and encouraged you and your family? You know, like I stated earlier, very much. I've gotten all the support that anyone can really ask for. Also at the Christian Counseling Center, I got good counseling there. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it also depends upon you also. Will you follow the advice? And again, you have to change your thinking. Mm -hmm. And to do that, we really must get into the Word. Um, and let me go back again, too, because stop talking about the situation all the time. I mean, to any and everybody. Yes. Because in your counseling, that's one of the things that you really don't need to do is 
continue to rehash this outside um, because if you're going for counseling, take the advice. That's why you're going. Right. Um, I'm saying that because I know that's what I did. You know, even when you continue talking about that situation, you, you people don't really want to be with you. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, because you become, it's, they don't want to hear it anymore. And you're going for counseling now, try, set your mind on that. Try to remain focused on change. And I found with the churches that I've been attending to be very helpful, very helpful. I can call and it'll be, you know, I will make time for you. Good. You know, but the help is out there. That's so good to hear. Um, As a pastor, often um, we find out that someone's gone in the hospital and we didn't know, no one told us. And so we couldn't really respond like we wanted to. Um, so really, um, you're saying, I think, that uh, there's lots of help, biblical help, good help available in different churches. But the pastors of these churches or the people of these churches have to know they that you, to know. you need some help. Yeah, very good. Um, Sister Gwen, what would you say to a listener this morning who has uh, challenges, maybe very similar to yours, but that person doesn't see any necessity of plugging into any church. They're going it on their own. You cannot do it on your own. I know I couldn't do it on my own. And trying to do it on your own, like I said, it can make you very depressed. You can become physically sick. And that's what the church is that they're for, mm-hmm. to help you. Mm-hmm. You have to bury that shame and even thinking I don't want anyone to know because a lot of times you're the last one to know (laughs) (laughs) you you know um, because people out there they already know and to me today pastor it's about you getting help Mm. getting the right help Because just going out there and talking to any and everybody cannot help you. No, I imagine it just rekindles the pain and and the depression and the fear. It does. Mm -hmm. And so you need to get good Christian counseling. Because to me, the churches are there. And if you go to one and you cannot get the help, you know, just let me plug into this. The Christian counseling center is always there. Which, just in case our listeners aren't aware, is a, a wonderful Bible-based a counseling center that is affiliated with Calvary Bible Church. They're on the uh, edge of our property on Collins Avenue. Uh, we're at 62. I think they're at 58. And um, the, the ministers there, the, the counselors there are wonderful. Dr. Uh, excuse me, uh, Pastor Frederick Arnett and his wife, uh, Helen Arnett, they've just done an amazing ministry over 30 years, over 35 years, and uh, they've helped a lot of people. So uh, Gwen has mentioned them more than once in our interview, and uh, they uh, are going to help everybody they can. Money is not an obstacle. They have a sliding scale of fees per hour of counseling to accommodate different budgets. And uh, they're, they're very professional and biblical, not just professional, but biblical. That's all the time we had for today. 
We'll pick up from here next week in the will of the Lord. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.